da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Brian Gill, what is our chosen movie of the week? This week's chosen movie of the week is the Coen Brothers' Hail Caesar. It's, I don't think we've talked new Coen since Lewin Davis. I'm sure that's the last thing they've Unless come you out count uh, that awful one last year, that Angelina Jolie uh, Unbroken. They, yeah. they just co-wrote that. They didn't. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. I don't I count just, that, no. <laughs> that, was, that was just free money. And Roger okay. Deakins. Yeah. Just free money. Just free money. God, when you think Strike. about Unbroken, and we haven't had a post-Unbroken episode. <laughs> we need to do a post-game show on Unbroken. Um, no, but when you go back and think about that, like what went wrong there? Is it just Angelina? I'm because you got the other three elements: the story, uh, the writing, the cinematography. We're all top notch, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and the performance from Jack O'Connell was great. Yeah, uh, what went wrong? That's very confusing, and uh, still a year later. Yeah, very confusing. Just not that great of a movie. That's that's just not that great. Not that great, brother. Not that great. Deserve better. Yeah. But for our full thoughts on that, we did an hour on it, I'm pretty sure. So <laughs> Yes, I think so. Speaking of, thank you to the those of you who listened to last week's State of the Union. Again, that's a once-a-year conversation, um, and we have some people to shout out uh, right so off the top of the show. So many people. So many people, Kent. We made a promise in that episode that if you donate a certain amount to the show, we'll shout you out. And uh, for again, for the full explanation, just listen to last week's episode or the first part of it, but... We need to shout these people out right off the top. Let's give shout-outs to Brian Anderson. That's an easy one. Thanks, Brian. Jason Liu, thank you. Dion Failberg. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Dion. Uh, Lee Decker. I like Lee. Lee's my boy. He's a good dude. Or a lady. Sorry, Lee. I don't know. (laughs) Abraham Gottford I'm going to go with. Robert Singgrabber. Gregory Duncan. Mark Fabrizio. Adam Vonderhaar. Todd Tepia. Vincent Bakinfuso. Yes. And Michael Henson. Thank you. So wow. many people. That's, that's one Gosh. week, guys. Thank you for the donation. And um, of course, thank you. We got we had a big day yesterday. Big day in America. If big you're not from America, day. there's a little something called the Super Bowl every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only is it a sporting event, an entertainment event with some of the biggest bands in the world having graced the stage of the Super Bowl. But great opportunity for television commercials and trailers, uh, mainly trailers, of things we're going to see later this year or perhaps next year. Uh, a few big ones uh, caught me by surprise. I don't know about you guys, but I want to go over a few of these trailers. And uh, I guess we could start right off the top with the biggest one, Jason Bourne. I guess oh, it's. Yeah. I guess an official oh. title was revealed also. Didn't know yeah. it was called Jason Bourne. I, I didn't know how far along in production they were on this even. I know. didn't know what was scheduled for this year. Uh, I knew that Damon was returning at some point. He had announced that, but it looks like they've shot the movie. Yeah. And it looked uh, looked pretty... Oh, well, y'all are the Bourne fans, so... Uh, it looked pretty good to me, but... Oh, again, yeah, dude. Y'all are the Bourne aficionados, but... How, how, are your, how are you feeling? That uh, trailer single-handedly jumped 2016 up a peg for me. I was yeah. just like... <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. This looks awesome. I'm fully in on Jason Bourne movies that involve Matt Damon. Less so on Jeremy Renner ones. I consider myself the Jeremy Renner of this podcast. Um, 
<laughs> but no, I think uh, I love you know, Bourne movies are very sentimental to me. They they were uh, Bourne's big in my was in my household growing up. I love Matt Damon, and I got a full that trailer got a full fist bump out of me. I knew they it was coming out this year, and I knew that they had finished filming. But I'd kind of been scouring the internet waiting on a title and a and a teaser, and I didn't even think it didn't even occur to me it'd be on at the Super Bowl. So it was uh that was a that was a nightmaker. I was I'm fired up. Yeah. So how much of this? And we might say this with every series that continues, but how much of this is influenced by Fast? Just in the fact that okay, so well, we're just gonna yeah. make we're just gonna make ten yeah. of these now. Like we yeah. don't even. There's no reason it. to stop making them. Yeah. I mean, I really, it's like Mission can, Impossible is the closest yes, comparison to exactly, Born. I guess exactly. I always I always think that too. It's like the quality material, right? I mean, I love the Born films, but they're not you know they're not uh, they're not Shakespeare or anything. Like I'm all for limited series, like. Here's here. So like um, Harry Potter told this very like concise um, story with a beginning, a long drawn out middle and an end. And there should not have been any more Harry Potter films like in that same series. Um, It was the perfect end. And um, but like I don't understand why the Twilight Lady stopped making movies because there's no artistic credibility to what you're doing. It's just kind (laughs) of drivel. So, I mean get that keep getting them checks homies like like just keep make a new twilight movie ever, just sign up all these kids for a it's million not like years. robert pattinson has done much since twilight yeah. let's and it's be not real. like yeah. it's gonna hurt the original when you right. make twilight 11 it's like <laughs> okay cool whatever i mean there's a certain i think hollywood's starting to figure out that some movies need to be limited series um that you know are a little maybe a little more high fluting uh but some movies like when it's um you know either on the bad side where it's twilight or on the good side where hey as long as i now can watch me Watch Matt Damon beat the crap out of like oddly Soviet dudes. I'm cool. Um, right. And just keep making, you know, Matt Damon beating up Soviets, and I'll, I'm I'm in there every every year. So hopefully this is the sign of like a whole yeah. other trilogy or something. Because I love um, those first three. They're on TV all the time, and it's always just stop down for me. And yeah, uh, they're they're so good. Yeah, it, it kind of reminded me of. Of Mission Impossible mixed with a little bit of Skyfall and kind mm. of the the new age spy movies that we've kind of seen come out, um, the more intelligent spy movies. Yeah, yeah. Born, I think, kind of refound. Right. I mean, you know, and that there. I mean, the first Mission Impossible was was pretty smart, and then the second one got pretty dumb. Right. And then the, you know the Bond franchise was kind of out there, and when when Casino Royale came out, and they kind of redid Bond, it was kind of a Born imitation. Yeah. Um, and now it's funny that now Bourne is going back and copying like Skyfall. Like those two movies just yeah. keep series just keep influencing. It's them. it's so confident and cocky too. A to name it Jason Bourne, and B yeah. they released the official poster too or a teaser poster, and it's just like a one little ray of light shining on Damon, <laughs> and you can barely even tell who it is, and yeah. it's just text over it that says you know his name. Yes, <laughs> that's yes. all it says on the poster, and it's all black. It's pretty. Uh, Pretty um, confident and yeah. kind, of, kind of ballsy move by the studio there, but um, I think it's going to mm. be a big hit. It caught everybody by surprise, at least me. Big time. Yeah. That looked great. I'm totally – I tweeted from our account that it looks like Jason Bourne just spent the last eight years watching Fast and Furious movies. So <laughs> if we can combine those two things, I'm totally in. That's that's a no-brainer to me. A couple other trailers. We got one for Independence Day Resurgence or a new – newer one that we hadn't seen before. So how are our thoughts on that now that we have more footage released, I guess? Still the same. 
Still not a bit. Still not a bit of nostalgic excitement for this. We'll Brian. see it. I'm not. I'm not unexcited for it. Like yeah. you guys. Are. I think it does seem like they do kind of get that. I don't think this is trying to be like. What if we made Independence Day for the thinking man? It's like no, let's just make it louder and dumber and all that. And I do think they kind of get it. So, um, I think uh, I think it'll be. A, I really do think it'll be a big hit. It's been the right amount of time, and uh, I think it'll be very. I think it will be like the battleship of this year. I really do. Okay, I can I can get in on that, but I I do want to see the Thinking Man's Independence Day though. I want like <laughs> Paul Thomas Independence Anderson Day is the Thinking Man's Independence yeah. Day. I think. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. It's I'm I'm coming coming around on that one a little bit. I I don't I still don't really completely get how you can make an Independence Day movie without. Will Smith. I think that's what makes Double your gold bloom, double your fun. Yeah, I mean that's probably that's the solution. I mean, and they got the weaker Hemsworth, so you know we're good. But no, it kind of piqued my interest a little bit more, and that's partly because I'm. We just spent the worst month of movies ever. You know, like where there was literally not one movie came out that I was excited for at all, and I'm looking ahead at the calendar and thinking, man, there's just not a lot this year. So that's that's kind of creeping up the list. Uh, that 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 worked for me a little bit. Yeah, apparently they made two versions of the screenplay. They wrote two completely separate screenplays, one with Will Smith's character and one without it, <laughs> and then gave Will Smith the option. Like, okay, we're going to go with this screenplay if Will Smith doesn't want to do it. Uh, so I guess he affected the story a bit, but apparently his son is in it and his wife, because what is a... Uh, yeah, what does Vivica Fox, Vivica Fox yeah. have going on? She's waiting for Tarantino <laughs> to call her about Kill Bill Three, and that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah. But well, that, that little kid is doing a, a, another Little Rascals film. So, <laughs> that. oh, is Little Rascals Seven? <laughs> yeah, he's doing Little Rascals Seven, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, oh goodness, you're all homeless. Like, yeah, <laughs> they never grew up. Yeah, one time I was in college and I was at a party. I, I walk over and there was like a uh, twenty-year-old Spanky from Little Rascals, and I did some research and turned out he went to the same college as me and was just at the same party I was Spanky. at. Spanky, yeah, he's not, he's not still acting. I can't believe that. Didn't. I know it was <laughs> that was his name, right? Spanky. Yeah, I think it was Spanky McGee. Because then everyone like, yeah. started making a big deal and he kind of got grumpy and left. Yeah. So yeah, I guess they left it up to Will Smith to make that call. So they went without it and. Yeah. We'll see if Jeff Goldblum slash Bill Pullman still have the star power to. I, I just think the the name alone will make it. Yeah, it'll, it'll win yeah, its, it's weekend easily. But it's not the names. Property, the yeah, it'll be one of the biggest, highest grossing ones of the year. I think. I just hope um, they can figure out a way to get Jai Courtney involved. You That's know the name. you know the coolest shot in the movie is that <laughs> shot in the in the newest trailer where it's like the flyover at the game and then the. Yeah. planes fly over and the ufos are chasing them i mean yeah. i can't imagine a better setup than that like that's Ro- the biggest like like uh that's the money shot in the trailer yeah. you know roland so. emmerich knows how to shoot that kind of film so i mean yeah. he's michael bay light but but he is a little bit of a better i think of an overall filmmaker than michael bay it's so, the scene in the dark night out, it's the of. scene in the dark night with the field collapsing at heinz right. field like right. if you yeah. can top that then i'll be impressed and they never did uh, yeah. in the dark night rises i should say yeah uh what else what other trailers did we get we got uh, ninja turtles 2 kill Apparently me it's completely finished and that <laughs> feels like it just came out and we just did an episode on it uh yeah. kind of weird incredible yeah. film though right we all it, agree. it's it's, just... it's aged great i mean even in a year i mean it's just <laughs> it's just no i mean 
this this, this is kind of the same way. I feel like it's just like it doesn't have any artistic integrity, so we're just gonna yeah throw the turtles in the most crazy situations and put every Casey Jones and Bebop and Rocksteady and every little character that anyone has ever heard of in this movie. And it has Tyler Perry. So what more can you ask? <laughs> so for? you know it's good. And Megan yeah. Fox is still doing these. And so is Will Arnett. So, I mean, it's kind of... I want to see that contract. They're on for the ride, for yeah. Will Arnett. yeah. I want to know what that contract looks like because there's no reason for him to be doing <laughs> That'll make money, though. We'll, I know. But... We'll make money. Come on, Will. It's crazy. I, but you know what? Will may be the, the one that we need to have a conversation of. Is he... Or do we think that he's better than he really is? Because yeah. I kind of feel like... We're at a point where post, in a post-arrested development world, hasn't really done much, buddy. So maybe, maybe that was just uh, he did like maybe twenty sitcoms. After I know, that. and they're not. It's not all his fault. They each lasted like two seasons. Some of them were just, good, and they had a chance, and they all right. got canceled, like season two or yeah. three. The Millers, even the CBS one, like the one on, nothing ever gets canceled. At what CBS. was the one on Fox that he was on? It was a. Uh, uh, it's yeah, like, it was it was Mitchell it, Hurwitz too. Christina Applegate. Yeah, maybe? uh, he is on BoJack though. I guess I should give him credit for that. He is BoJack Horseman. Right. Right. Up all night is the one with uh, Christina Applegate. Yeah, but there's another one he did with Mitchell Hurwitz too. This is I'm talking Lord, about Fox one. Yeah, Running, running Wild. Running perhaps? Wild. Yeah, it was with Running her Wild. Yeah, the yeah. Americans. Jeez, I don't even remember that one. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was supposed to be the big Russell. one. Okay, that was yeah. him and, and Hurwitz together again. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that one. Yeah, not good. Not yeah. good for Megan Fox or for Arnett yeah. these yeah. days. Tough, tough times. But like tough. Megan Fox or Michael that's Bay the type of movie she should be making. But or producer Michael Bay, I should say. Yeah. Thirteen hours kind of came and went, guys. We never really mentioned that on the show. Oh yeah, I'm sure I'll see it on DVD as part of my. Packed with John Krasinski to always. I think it kind of went for that um, Lone Survivor slash American Sniper yes. like yes. window in January where you release like a really sentimental war story, <laughs> super patriotic. And, yeah, and that kind of failed. Um, yeah. Well, my my New Year's resolution every year is to be more patriotic, <laughs> so it kind of it fits it with that. <laughs> they had the premiere at AT and T Stadium. The world. Did premiere. you go? Did you I go? I didn't go. No. <sighs> Man, but I think I was doing it brought us one step closer to best friends with Krasinski. (laughs) Yeah, Brian's devastated over there. Yeah, so there was like 50,000 people at the premiere, (laughs) and like everybody had to leave because the PA wasn't set up for a movie. It didn't didn't go well, I heard. I heard it was kind of a disaster. There was a mass exodus, apparently. It's good, it's what you want, and at the premiere, and probably at every screening thereafter. So, yeah. Because, you know, whenever I'm at a movie and I'm surrounded by 350 people, I think to myself, the only thing that could make this better is if there was 100,000 people here. Yeah. That would make mm-hmm. it so much better. So that worked out well for everybody, I How guess. How do you not to put an app and then sync the uh, audio up to it <laughs> and just have everyone radio? I mean, you know what I mean? That, that yeah. seems like a pretty... I think know. it's less about the movie and just about being there with yeah. John Krasinski and that. the cast and the yeah. original... Yeah. The war heroes were there and everything, and so it was a big deal, but right. failed big time <laughs> yeah. um, in the box office. What other movies I, have come out the past few weeks? If I had come that to that built? and sat, let's say I sat in the upper deck, would you say that's more than 250 feet away from John Krasinski? Cause that's, yeah, we that's can see him on a screen, and he's down <laughs> okay. there. Okay, so. all right, sweet. All right, I should have Yeah, gone. but you're legally. I just wasn't fine. sure, yeah, legally, if, how that would work. I didn't yeah, want you know, any you're kind good. of accident. You're totally that. good. Cool. Also, I can't, I can't go back to jail. 
Also, Dirty Grandpa came and went over the past few weeks. Remember that? Speak for yourself. I've seen it three times. (laughs) This is my Star Wars. You get it? Oh, no. Here's where you don't get it. He's old, but he likes to party. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you're missing it, Kate. Oh. makes it right there. They it's didn't perfect. do that with Bad Santa like 10 years ago or Yeah, yeah but no, this ha- this takes the riskier move of of have it not be funny. Yeah. What, how about <laughs> just how about braver in its own way braver. Yeah. How okay, how about this idea? And this is total spitballing, so maybe it won't play out. We'll see. What if when an actor reaches a certain level of greatness, which I think we can all agree Robert De Niro reached in like uh, I don't still, know, but, okay. 1990 or something. He's one of the I don't know, two or three greatest actors of his generation. So what if when you get to a certain level of awesomeness and greatness, there's a committee that gets to decide what movies you can and cannot be a part of? Can we can we get that green light? Is yeah, there any Morgan way Freeman that needs that too? Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like you bring us the script. We will read it. And a let's say five people will will vote and a simple majority rules. And you can or cannot do that movie. We should go over De Niro's filmography oh, over the man. past few years. It's it's so similar. Depressing. It's similar to oh. the Arnett conversation we were having earlier. Oh. He's got if it wasn't got for, a couple uh, stinkers. If it wasn't, gosh, he's got the just... big wedding. No, oh. uh, he did had well. The they family, <laughs> Last Vegas, Grudge Match. This is making heist, me sad. Dirty Grandpa, gosh, the Bag Man. Mean? Um, it's being brutal. Flynn, New Year's Eve, Killer Elite. Huge. Okay, that one was huge. <laughs> Made eight dollars. Killer <laughs> Elite. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't need this, Bob. Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> you, you don't need this, Bob. Nothing. You don't. <laughs> don't you don't need have to this. do this. You're in the you Godfather. You can't possibly Bob. need the money. Yeah, exactly. You're in the Godfather. Just stop. <laughs> Just stop. I'll give you Meet the Parents. I'll give you David O. Russell movies. Yeah, I was going to say, and, if it wasn't for David O. Russell, that list yeah. would be very blue. And I'll give you an incredible cameo on 30 Rock. Everything else, just stop. Just, I don't know, like, go be Gene Hackman and retire and just do Home Depot voiceovers or something. Just <laughs> stop it. <laughs> well, bad news. Dirty Grandpa has made $30 million already in the U.S. Sequel's so green. It'll make, it'll make money. <sighs> I'm just kidding. Positive. I don't know about That's the a sequel. Positive. It's called Dirtier Grandpa, though, because it's it's going to up the ante on the first one. Doug Elan's writing it, though, so, you know. Oh, gonna... yeah. Oh, Bob's ready to get jacked, man. So there's a couple other films that have come and gone in the past few. The Fifth Wave with <laughs> Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, uh, it seems it's like made maybe... $1 million and it is in eighth place right now, so that's wow. good. Please. It had a pretty heavy marketing. we got to stop with it's these young adult, like, French. We have to stop with these young adult franchises. Yeah, I had to sit through so to... many trailers for that piece of garbage. It made twenty five million. It made oh, okay. Overall, but not good. And it's like eighteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. Which is seventeen percent, even better. It made twenty five uh, so far. Yeah, Dirty Grandpa's nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Come on. Yeah, I know. I saw like a, a headline on the or a tweet or something out of like the New Republic or somebody that was like. Hey, I know you know that movie Dirty Grandpa. You think that looks really bad? It's worse. <laughs> that, was the, that was like the headline of the review. Better or worse than Fifty Shades of Black? Would you say? On the Rotten Tomato score, I yeah. have uh, so if, it's nine percent. I would say Fifty Shades of Black is at like eleven percent. Okay, Kent. Uh, zero. <laughs> it has to be zero. 
just playing the ender. Seven percent. Oh wow! 7%. Somebody recommended and, it. That's yeah. That's what's sitting, funny. Sitting right there in the middle between Fifty Shades of Black and Dirty Grandpa is the choice. The new Nicholas Sparks movie that I didn't know was a thing until Richard mentioned it twenty-two minutes ago. So. <laughs> we that's have welcome. also hey, hey but guess what, dude? They um, there's a lot of white, uh, both people and clothing. There's a lot of linen. Right along too. Oh, uh, it's made over $75 million. Kevin Hart makes money, man. He <laughs> makes money. money. And so much more bankable than George Clooney, and it's hilarious. Yeah, it's amazing. That's crazy. That's, that's awesome. Amazing. That's, that's amazing. I'm glad there are still movie stars. I really am. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of, well, the Cohen's Hail Caesar came in second this past weekend, and it wasn't going to beat Kung Fu Panda 3. Right, which made what seventy what million dollars. <laughs> um, Runaway train. I guess I it will did. say though, when I saw Star Wars, I think Kung Fu Panda Three was my favorite trailer. Yeah, those are fine. There's nothing wrong with those movies at all for what they are. You know. Yeah, my kid watches those. They're in the rotation somewhere. They're kind of like B team movies for him, and yeah. uh, you know, I always enjoy them. They're fine. They're, they don't make me want to turn it off. Like. Some of the other stuff. Jack Black should be in every kid's movie by law. Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I guarantee you, if you could somehow ask my three, my two and a half year old, like, could get him to understand and give a straight answer, who's your favorite actor? It would totally be Jack Black. Just yeah, like, look awesome. at this idiot. He's just rolling around. He probably loves <laughs> Melissa McCarthy too. I bet he would love Paul Blart. To be honest with you, he's so, so good in kids' movies because he actually yeah. tries just as hard as he does in not kids' oh, movies, and it makes it. Yeah. I saw like thirty minutes of that. Um, Goosebumps movie. Uh, yeah, I was on my cruise, and it was like Jack Black, man. This guy just brings it for kids' yeah. movies. I, every eight year old favorite actor should be. He's like Jack the kids' Black. version of Tom Cruise. Yeah, exactly. Just, just busting his butt, man. Like, how many bruises does he come home with after shooting Goosebumps? Like a yeah. lot, right? I mean, does his own stunts. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Doesn't look as good shirtless though as Tom Cruise does. So Hail Caesar did, I, do. I guess, beat its competition. I mean, it, it's considered a pretty big flop for uh, the mm. name of the Coens, but I mean, it's not like it lost to Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and uh, all right. these other in Fifth Wave True. and things like that. So, I mean, I'm glad what, they expected to make eighty million dollars. I don't. No, no. I they think might, they probably thought twenty, eighteen to twenty, yeah. and they didn't. They didn't get there. But. It's interesting. Hey, what's up, ma'am? Fam, Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy-glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And we can start, I guess, start this official conversation now for Hail Caesar. 
Um, good transition. There you go. Why it's did like, this? Let's talk box office first, I guess. Sure. We'll talk about the movie. Why do you think this didn't at least draw a crowd, regardless of what people think of it? You'd think the names would. Uh, you know, it made less than Inside Lewin Davis that did, and that only had Oscar Isaac and Adam Driver, who no one knew about back then, mm. uh, really. So why why is that? This got Clooney, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Ray Fiennes. It's got a big, good cast. Josh Brolin. Um, what's the deal? I think there's a lot of different and there's uh, no other movies out right now that's right. what's confusing it's, well everyone's seen star wars and there's literally sure. nothing else to see i think there's a lot of elements that go into it but number one i think is old how old hollywood doesn't sell um and that that's a big part of it i think number two the coen brothers don't really sell all that well you know they had that they had a great run with uh no Country for Old Men did pretty well, and Burn After Reading did pretty well, and then True Grit was a huge hit. But most of their films kind of finish in the they most of their films finish under forty million dollars. So that's not it's not like they're out there making blockbusters left and right, you know. And and the third thing is like you know George Clooney can't. I think we're at the point where we have to say George Clooney's not pulling. He's not pulling crowds anymore. Oh. You've got a lot of movie stars in this that have tried really hard to not be movie stars, right? With like Clooney doing these smaller films for the last several years or a little bit more highbrow. Josh Brolin has always been a movie star that refuses to be. Yeah. Um, Scarlett Johansson could have been, you know, a huge, huge draw just based purely on. I mean, she's a great actress, but just on her look, she could have done a mm-hmm. bunch of Michael Bay movies and stuff, which I'm right. glad she didn't. But when you kind of are intelligent and reject the whole movie star persona, you can't really expect people to just put it on for a movie and go follow you there. Like the thing that's great about Tom Cruise that we always joke about is Tom Cruise totally owns being a movie star. And he's his, he, he wants to put butts in seats. Number one, over creating high art. Now he, right. he has started to realize because times have changed that in order to put the most amount of butts in seat with, uh, you know, live, die, repeat excluded is to make good films now because audiences are smarter than they were in the big, in the mid nineties. Right. But they have to be a certain type of good film. And his number one goal always is most amount of people liking me in theater, the better. Whereas I think Clooney and, and Brolin and people like that, they, they've re- you know, kind of rejected that and tried to find merit in uh, things. Tomorrowland. No, I know. But that was a return, though, to big movie. Big, I mean, that okay. was the first movie with a budget over $20 million that he'd done since um, Michael Clayton, maybe. I don't even know if that budget was that high. Yeah. You know what maybe, I mean? That, maybe since Ocean's 13. Yeah. Well, honestly. Gravity, but that's a different sort of thing. Yeah, but that's a supporting role. Yeah. yeah Tomorrowland, definitely, and that was a huge flop. And and, and he, so when he tried to come back as kind of a movie star, you know, America kind of rejected that. Um, now, the movie wasn't very good, and it was oddly promoted. Clooney has a lot more flops than you realize, not just in the last few years, but over the course of his career. And, you know, I think his his hits are so high that we we forget and forgive. And so but if you really add them up, um, it's kind of impressive that he's he's thought of as such the alpha movie star that he is with the resume that he has. Yeah. Now that you put it that way. Um, it's true. He gets a lot of benefit of the doubt a lot of the times. Yes. Some of the yeah. choices he makes and maybe that shouldn't be the case. Maybe this is proof that it's not the case uh, anymore. Brian, you know, what's like, your interpretation? Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. We're in a post movie star world and 
George Clooney is is somebody who 15 or 20 years ago you would automatically assume that that per, that that he's going to bring a I don't know a 50 million dollar open pretty much no matter what and that's just not the case anymore. You I'm looking at his uh his box office mojo right now and we we just talked about Tomorrowland which was a, a huge flop. He has on Box Office Mojo, he has, I think, 34 films listed under his name. And Tomorrowland is the seventh biggest movie that he's been in, like just, just uh, box office-wise. Wow. So that's, that's kind of telling of who George Clooney is as just – and I mean this just as what the box office return is. I think he's kind of – his name is kind of bumped up where maybe it doesn't actually belong. I, I, I want the listener to, to hear me say, I freaking, I love George Clooney. He's an American treasure. He's an incredible actor. I love seeing him on screen. He's not a movie star. And I maybe this is where Hollywood kind of figures out, and it, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but you kind of you can't build a movie around George Clooney and expect that it's going to make a ton of money. It's just not a... It's not a thing that's going to happen anymore. Now, if he wanted to do Ocean's 14 or something like that, then you, you it's going to get a bump. But I think at that's, this point, that's because of the property, not because of of George Clooney. And and my thought to that would be, don't do it, George, because you're so good. I think he's great in this film, and he's great in Gravity. He's great in The Descendants. He's incredible and up in the air. Like, just do do smaller movies. Take if you have to take a pay cut, fine. You you made plenty of money. Just do uh, do slightly smaller films and be comfortable. And I I kind of think he is. I don't I don't I think he's the, I think is what he's doing is just people aren't yes. seeing him. Like it, yeah. you gotta you gotta at some point he has to think like is is this me? Like am I the reason that yeah. people aren't seeing didn't see this movie? You know, and cut to a year before cut to this time last year. Or the year before when uh, we saw the Monuments Men at this mm-hmm, time, mm-hmm. and you know maybe if George Clooney didn't direct it and it was a different star, would it have worked? Like so you got to th- think that you know. Yeah, there's um, something to that. the The deal is though, he's Hollywood royalty, and so he can continue to get pretty much any project that he really wants to get. He can get, and most. But I think the days of you can do any project you want here, George, and we'll give you any amount of money that you want to get it done. I think that that's over. I think now, they got like and that's 50 fine. Million. They got, you know got like 50 mil to do Gravity or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and he, because, like I'm totally fine with that because you know what's an incredible movie is Good Night and Good Luck, and that costs $7 million to make. So yeah. he's he can do great stuff acting and behind the camera. So I'm fine with that. I just What was that one he did with Gosling, the other the Ides of March? Ides of March. Yeah, I actually that liked that the, one. That was the uh, House of Cards writer creator. Yeah, well, yeah, I well. actually enjoyed that one a lot. That's yeah. that's that might be one of his more underrated, uh, most recent ones. But sure, yeah, yeah, I think there's bright days ahead for him. Um, I thought he was good in this. I did too. I really, I think, really thought he was good in this movie. It's just I think confusing. the deal is he's an actor, not a movie star, and I don't know if he cares about that. But I think we, but it's weird. as it's audience, weird though, have because to accept that. It is odd though because I, there, he's like this odd hybrid though as a, as an actor because he's not really a character actor. He's always George yes. Clooney. Yes. But so he's a persona actor, which I have no problem with. People that kind of have a set persona and then just kind of play that some variant of that uh, uh, persona in different movies. So, but that's kind of a movie star move. You know, normally sure. when someone is that persona, it's just, 
style of acting where mm -hmm. they've created this likable whatever and they just do that over and over again. That's the movie star move. Like whereas someone like Brad Pitt is similar um, in that, you know, he's kind of chosen smaller films. You know, World War Z was kind of his f return to a movie, movie star type film and it fared far better than Tomorrowland somehow. Um, but through some miracle, but Brad Pitt, when he does do these smaller films is much more of a chameleon and character actor. Yeah. You know, he, he, he kind of knows that when I do Moneyball, I'm going to be just be Brad Pitt, but then I'm going to go do, you know, something kind of weird and have an, you know, I'm going to go do snatch or something like that, which George right. Clooney would never do. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so it's, it's weird. I don't know if people really know how to ingest George Clooney because he yeah. does do this you know, he just is, you think of him because he's always George Clooney or he's always Danny Ocean or something as this <laughs> movie star style of acting, but he, he chooses films that either a have no interest in being big films like this one or b when he does pick the big movies, they're, they're awful. Yeah. Batman and Robin. I just don't think. I mean, if you're a Clooney, you, I mean, no one says no to the Coens, do they? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, he's working you can't, with you can't hold this against him. Yes. Like he, no, it's a great I, career choice, you know? Yes, and, and absolutely. I, I like but, I said, I think it's about us, not about him. I mm -hmm. think we, as the audience, have to kind of pull back on our expectations for a George Clooney movie because you're totally right, Richard. Like he, he seems he has that persona of. A big movie star and yeah, so we, we automatically like, just think well this movie's going to be huge and you look at his box office and really outside of gravity he has some modest hits with the sentence and up in the air and things like that but it, he's not that kind of actor or he did or he doesn't have that kind of draw and the truth is i think he feels totally fine with that and that's great i like, don't know I, those emails last year in the sony leak hinted that he's pretty upset that he's not pulling okay well, that's, i didn't yeah. see any he kept yeah. saying you know when when um when uh monuments men was kind of crappy and they moved it to february mm -hmm. he had these very apologetic emails. he goes i really think i've lost my touch i don't know my taste is bad now i don't know what to huh. do and then tomorrowland bombed after that so right. i can't imagine where that left him because that was like again it's kind of like john krasinski John Krasinski always picks the right film to do, and then that film's always terrible. It's like, right. you know, right. no, add, add 13 hours to that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, oh, yeah, I can do a, a movie about 1920s football with George Clooney straight off of Good Night and Good Luck. Sure, I'll do that. And then it's Leatherheads. Sure. Yeah. Or I can do that, you know, oh, Matt Damon's writ first screenplay since <laughs> Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Of course I'll do that movie. And it's awful. You know, that's the Krasinski thing. And it's like, Clooney is. You know, yeah, work with Brad Bird, whose last few movies were right. really well received. Mi Four and The Incredibles, and you know, okay, yeah, absolutely, that's a win. And then it's it's bad. Coen Brothers never a bad choice. Uh, you know, that Bo Bo Willman script uh, was really uh, on the Ides of March was really really like highly bid after, and mm -hmm. everyone was certain yeah. that was going to be great. And he got Gosling and all that, and that kind of fizzled. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's making these, these gravity being a really smart play that panned out well, but he's making intelligent decisions in, right. in foresight. And then in, in <laughs> retrospectively, they're always bad lately. And I'm sure that's frustrating. Sure. He needs Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. He needs, no. he needs Tarantino to Travolta him and just, wow, Clooney's awesome. You know, um, yeah, or like kind of turn heel in a movie. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. maybe play the bad guy and just yeah. own it. Yeah, I would I would love that. That's it's always an interesting conversation to see what old George is up to, but yeah. He needs he needs help. And uh I think he's on the right track. This is a, this is an inspired performance from him.
Yeah. And I felt like this was right up his alley. Uh, Scarlett Johansson just reminds me of somebody who would have been like the biggest movie star if it was 1955, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. Like she's yeah. just she's, a fish out of water in, she's in 2016. Monroe, yeah. Oh, she is. Yeah. But with better acting chops than Marilyn Monroe. I mean, Marilyn yes, Monroe absolutely. is just absolutely. a pretty oh, face. Yeah. Marilyn Monroe is Kate Upton. Yes, like she's totally. a pretty face. She can say some words <laughs> and uh, we'll look at her in a magazine, but that's pretty much pretty much it. But Scarlet fit in well with this. And to me, this is just, I mean, it's a love letter to old Hollywood. It's really obvious what this yes. is. And it's, uh, you can just tell, at least I can, that Cohen's just, they just don't care anymore. They don't care. They don't, they've, they've yeah, won best picture. Stuff they like. They've won best picture. They've done almost, they've spawned the biggest show on TV in Fargo. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done almost everything that you can accomplish. They've got the biggest cult classic of all time in the Big Lebowski. And I mean, what else is there to do for them other than just do what they want to do? And this is again, a, a, a love letter to, to old Hollywood and, and to, uh, the films they, I'm sure, grew up loving, and uh, yeah. that inspired them to make movies. And we've seen other directors do this in the past few years. J.J. Um, Abrams did it with Super 8. That was his love letter to himself making Super 8 movies. This is uh, this is no no different, really. I really enjoyed myself in this. A lot of effort put yeah. into it. They yeah. total commitment to this. Um, you can tell they built these sets, and they actually like shot a lot of these scenes like they would have shot them back in the 50s and things with the yeah. stunt stunt work and things we'll, we'll go into that but really really thought it was funny too there are some several very f- cleverly written scenes and and the setups and um had a big smile on my face the, the ending is the worst part i will say it does does not have the the best ending but that's that's where it failed for me but uh enjoyed myself uh like i expected to obviously not their best work but didn't expect that, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy with it. Uh, how do we feel generally, Brian? When we talked about Bridges Spies, we talked about how it's almost difficult for Spielberg to make a movie at this point because you, so whether you intend to or not, you kind of subconsciously uh, compare all of his, his new movie to his incredible past films, you know. And and you, I I tend to do the same thing with the Coens because they have so many incredible films and so you walk into a coen brothers movie and you 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 kind of uh without really even meaning to you expect a certain thing and when it's not quite that certain thing then you i found myself thinking this isn't that great but i'm really enjoying it eh, this, this is the exact great, same but i'm way. laughing a lot you know yeah and, this is the exact same way i felt with inside lewin davis I expected, See, I think it, I, I expected loved inside Lewin Davis. That was a to I me, loved that's it too. No, I loved it too, but it just wasn't what I I expected. Yeah. I when I went into Inside Lewin Davis, I expected Crazy Heart, set in the fifties, sure. you know, or or kind of a their own version of a biopic or something yeah. of a of an independent artist. And it's not yeah. what I got, but I love that movie. And this is the right. same. I expected. I think I expected more of, that... of a I expected more of a caper. Than it sure. was, and uh, but I loved what it became, and I think I love it more now than I would have mm-hmm. if it was just a straight, uh, you know, cookie cutter version of a caper right. or a take on a caper. But good. I think part of it is the same as well. What I said about Clooney, where it's like to me, we have to stop. It's on us to stop uh, expecting this, like this kind of uh, pigeonhole. This is what we expect from our from movie star George Clooney because that's not that's not really what's going to happen anymore. 
I I do this with every Coen Brothers film because I love their their entire filmography is incredible and I and I love it. Every single one I go in with some sort of expectation of what I'm going to see and every single time I spend the first 30 minutes of the movie like correcting that and coming back around because maybe more than maybe more than any other mainstream filmmakers these guys re- absolutely refuse to be boxed in you know you're yep, going to get yep. some kind of of uh black comedy element pretty much in every film they do there's going to be some element of that this one it's extremely light there's not it's not dark or 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 black comedy hard you know much much at all um but every film of theirs is so it it has this like kind of coheny feel to it but it's not the same as like Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson kind of makes the exact same movie or like all of his movies exist in the same universe, I guess. Would be would be fair to say, I think. And they're all I love all the Wes Anderson movies. I'm not criticizing that at all. I I love spending time in that universe, but they all kind of had a very similar Wes Anderson-ness to them. And Spielberg is kind of the same way. He makes one of three different kinds of movies and it's just, you know, they all fall into the same kind of box and the tropes and the out the general outline of what you're going to see in the movie. And the Coens don't do that. And so Hail Caesar is completely different from Inside Lewin Davis, which is completely different from True Grit, which, you know, on down the list, they've made mm, like 18 films and they are all extremely different from from the others. And and that's on us. Like I that's on me. When I go into these films, I kind of expect whatever I've enjoyed from them in the past. And that's never what I get. And so I have to like kind of recalibrate at some point in the movie and just appreciate what I'm seeing on screen for this one. I really enjoyed this a lot. I don't think it's one of their top eight or 10 movies. I, I, you know, I think there's a group of seven or eight movies that are just incredible films that are so far above everything else. But this is a, this is a fun movie. I laughed a lot. It's light. It's a lot lighter than, than most of the other stuff that they've, they've done. And I, I just love the, uh, I love kind of the brazenness of just like, we're going to stop down now for a musical number. Like, I don't care. This is what we're going to do. And because we're exploring all elements of, uh, of 1950s Hollywood. So here's, here's a musical. And by the way, it should win some Oscars for great, for best music. You know I mean? It's like an incredible little eight minutes of, uh, of film. And, uh, so man, it, I don't think this is a great movie overall, but I think there's certain sections and and uh, and moments that feel inspired, and I I just love that about the Coens that they can they can take this movie that, like you said, Kent is is to me is very clearly just we love all Hollywood, so we're gonna make a movie about it, and I don't I don't care if you don't see it, and I don't care if you don't if it doesn't make money. This is what we're going to do, and by the way, we're gonna get an incredible cast to do it. Um, I think it would be so easy to just uh, make a passion project that doesn't have much inspiration to it beyond just you know well, that the doesn't love work aspect. like this. This yes, this yes. completely this works, works yeah. for what it yeah. was going for. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think it's lighter. I don't think it's nearly as good as some of their other films, but I don't care. That's not you know that's not the it's not its job to live up to. Big Lebowski or Fargo or whatever else. It's just it's a really really enjoyable movie, and it's uh, it's it's a lot smarter than it would have been in other hands. I guess let's put it that way. Yeah, this is basically, in my estimation, just their version of Singing in the Rain. 
Mm-hmm. And which Singing in the Rain is about old Hollywood's transition to from silent movies to movies with sound. It's yeah. sort of the same kind of movie within a movie kind of thing. Sure. Or about sure. the making of a movie. Uh, this is about the old Hollywood scandals. And it, it's a very interesting story. Like individually, there are a lot of old Hollywood scandals that would make great movies. And I'm sure they'll make movies about them someday. But there are things that happened in old Hollywood that that studios covered up because mm-hmm. they yeah. back then they purchased their actors contracts mm-hmm. like okay we've got you for 10 movies you literally can't do anything unless we tell you to do i mean and they do that now for to a lesser extent they'll they'll tie you in with a franchise but lesser with a in a studio system than right. than before right. there were always these people these kind of Josh Brolin's character, these kind of overseers that would just sweep stuff under the rug so that the tabloids wouldn't get a hold of it and so that their their movie stars would keep their reputations. And uh, I think that's a very interesting plot mm-hmm. line for a movie. Mm-hmm. And to make a comedy musical out of that plot line is interesting as well. Uh, they yeah. could have gone several directions with this. They could have gone dark uh, with it, more of a mm-hmm. No Country mm-hmm. for Old Men style if they wanted to, and that would have been really yeah, uh, something I would have liked to have seen, but um, I kind of kept expecting that to be honest. I was waiting for the turn. Oh, I, I think that it's super dark. What they did was so genius because they mm-hmm. they were yeah. able to comment on so many so many scandals throughout Hollywood, like the the fact that uh, you know actresses would get pregnant out of wedlock and they had to cover that up, and so they right. would find ways to to cover that up, you know, and they <laughs> like they do here, and uh, they would transition uh some of their actors through different genres and that whole how crazy it is for an actor who's not used to one genre trying to do another one that and working with directors that they don't mesh with and uh (laughs) lawrence lorenz i love that so much that was just like a bob loblaw kind of a thing (laughs) and such an easy joke to do a name that's like kind of funny like that you know Mm -hmm. and uh it was just so sprinkled with little cohenisms yes that just made me made me laugh and uh and appreciate yeah. appreciate I just their giggled work. Throughout. yeah yeah <laughs> i loved it uh richard yeah very similar reaction to you guys i'd like to uh i'd like to argue but i i, I can't I, I i thought this was uh pretty delightful it, it reminded me a lot kind of i i think it's funny you mentioned wes anderson just kind of totally though a lot of of grand budapest mm-hmm. um in I've heard someone of, say that this is an, it's the Cohen's interpretation of a Wes Anderson movie. Like I can see that. Yeah, I can see that as well. Mm-hmm. I can see, especially totally. And uh. so it was um it was kind of same it, Grand Budapest was a little bit later in the year, but same kind of time of year and just a very enjoyable 2 hours inside of a room, you know. I sat there with a pretty goofy smile on my face. I went in just this one had me so cuz the release date Yes, I just had no sense. idea what to expect, and I, I had read a few reviews that were kind of positive, so I knew it wasn't awful, awful. But I just was so like nervous, and so I kind of watched the first few minutes almost through my hands, kind of with like one shoulder ready to walk out the door because that's how I roll. And uh, but you know, once I kind of you know, it's it's like music. Once you once you hear they're in the right key. I kind of settled in and, and just really had a big goofy smile on my face for for two hours. So it was uh, it was a very enjoyable day. Awesome. Well, let's go big positives then, Brian. Uh, what's the overarching uh, positivity? Where did it come from? I think you can tell when actors know that they're working for geniuses, you know, or like people who are going to bring out the best in them because they just you get these really small but 
incredibly likable and and I think very uh, very joyous performances from uh, from like Ray Fiennes, who's only in the movie for three minutes, but it's it's a really solid three minutes. And it's great, it's my that's my favorite scene is is when he's directing. Um, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. The uh, what's uh, Hobie? Yeah, Hobie. I thought it was it, it was great. I love Brolin so much, and I love that he has had this kind of starting with No Country for Old Men has had this really incredible renaissance in the the second or third phase of his career. I thought he was terrific in this. I thought Clooney just brought the noise in a in a smaller role, which I like Clooney in better than any of his lead performances. Really, for the most part, I, I like him in this kind of uh, smaller fair i guess and where he's not on screen the entire movie uh so i, I love all that and i love how they just kind of brought in their you various about yourself when Cody's on screen for two hours I'm just yeah like, exactly uh, just like, i'm ugly i've got to go look in a mirror can't be every, this guy every time uh, i go to the bathroom in the middle of the movie i look, I look up I'm like ah, <laughs> ah oh god you don't wear a george clooney mask when you go to see a clooney movie because i i usually do no um it's more oh. machine mask though, but yeah, no, I, uh, I borrowed it from, from Russ. Uh, so, but I, I loved how they brought in their, their kind of, uh, side characters from other films with Francis McDormand with, I thought that was, that was the funniest scene in the movie to me. I died laughing during that. The editing. Yes. That's I, just a great way to show how movies used to be edited too. Yes, just absolutely. Absolutely. I thought that was great. Uh, Tatum was awesome. Swinton was awesome. I mean, uh-huh. I love. I just, I enjoy. Yeah. This is the kind of the example we've talked a lot lately. Like Black Mass, I think was the the poster child for. Great, you got an incredible cast, but it's it's distracting almost. There's just too much going on. You're trying too hard to get screen time for different people, and in this one, it's like, you know, Francis McDormand shows up for for three minutes, and that felt like the perfect amount. And Jonah Hill, same thing. Just a very short scene, but it works really well. Um, I really enjoy it, and I I loved the way in which they were able to very seamlessly stitch together all of the different genres of film from from old Hollywood and from yeah. the westerns to the uh, oh I can't remember what the 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 ball the period piece I guess yeah period would... piece was 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 really funny the way that that was staged merrily and, we uh, dance was the other yes one. merrily yeah, we kind yeah, of the that, romp romantic that, comedy uh, yeah. and into the into the, the musical that I mentioned yeah. earlier I thought that that was so spectacular the way that they were able to to piece that all together and make it flow into a coherent uh, whole you know because that that could have be I think that could have been the type of thing where yeah, these individual segments are are cool, but they don't fit. They don't work together, and I I thought they pulled that off quite quite spectacularly. Yeah, the Tilda Swinton rolls of her with the twins. I thought that was a good bit of that her was very uh, fighting funny, over yeah. stories with her sister, and they're sort of different kinds of writers, mm-hmm. paparazzi, yeah, everything. Um, I liked how they were weave that in with the um, the West Hobie's romance with the girl that he's doesn't yeah. really like and they're setting him up with because they want him to have this romance with this other actress mm-hmm. uh, that's funny the the little musical number with Gosh. with Channing Tatum was like you said Oscar worthy like that yeah. that was it was incredible and this is maybe the best synchronized swimming sequence <laughs> I've ever seen in my life yeah that's for just a random. throwaway scene that didn't matter at it's all. always kind of yeah. those like 
it's always kind of how Trey Parker and Matt Stone just do a Broadway play and it's number one. Like, oh, those guys can do Broadway plays. It's how I feel about the Coens. Like, I guess they can yeah, do synchronized swimming sequences and have them be incredible. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. just a skill that they, I guess they had and yeah. had a like passion how, for it. It's like how Jack White is actually a very accomplished upholstery guy. It's just kind of yeah. a really, like, really? You got to have this skill too? Like, you're already extremely talented and you're just really good at this crap too? All right, that's fair. That's it's so cool. funny. Some of the... The Lawrence Lawrence character, yes. some of his direction and how <laughs> vague and the vocabulary that some of these artistic directors use, I'm sure some of it actually was improvised on just his own experience, but how he tells his actor to, that he's haunted by his unspoken suspicions, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, haunted by my unspoken suspicions, <laughs> like trying to comprehend what that even means. <laughs> And like okay, I got it. I got that it. dude was great, by yeah. the way. Hopefully, I don't know who he. I've was. never seen that guy yeah. in anything, and he was spectacular. He kind of stole the show every time he was on screen. Oh, he Isn't was that Alden Enrich guy. Yeah, they throw in kind of typical scenes that we see over and over in Hollywood, like the mm-hmm. some guy poisoning the drink that the audience knows it's poison, and you're waiting for the lead character to drink the poison. That yeah. that kind of bit uh, we see an interpretation of that. Uh, another scene and another scenario that you would have had to taken care of if you were Josh Brolin back in the day would be running scripts by the religious people and all the different yes. <laughs> the different yes. leaders of the church so and their funny. interpretation of God was so that was such a clever scene and yeah. again probably something that they have been wanting to work in one of their movies you know that kind of what how do different religions view god and what's a, what's acceptable uh, in society with those different religions and that's a great you know scene that this is a great excuse for it i guess uh-huh. this movie yeah. mm-hmm. um this yeah. is kind of an excuse for them to comment on everything that they've had to deal with maybe their entire <laughs> sure uh as filmmakers um i'd like to hear a podcast like, maybe we get joel give me a give me a holler joel um get on <laughs> get him on the show i want to i want to interview him about this inspiration for this movie but um another little thing that you take out of context is the dailies and when you see a scene such as Clooney in this movie seeing Jesus for the first time as a soldier it's this big triumphant moment but then you repeat that moment out of context multiple times and it's just less triumphant you know you hear the hear the director like (laughs) squint at the grandeur squint (laughs) and he's like (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's so funny. I just yeah. laughed so hard when I think there was something else going on, but kind of in the background, you see the film and you hear sure. what's going on. And and uh, that was funny as well. How but, was your uh, you guys? How was your audience participation in this film? Did it did you guys did you have a, a full theater? Did the crowd uh, laugh? How did that go? I was mostly the only one chuckling and it was about 40 percent full. OK. That's how my uh, that's how ins- when I saw Lou and Davis, there was only like four other people in the theater, and I really think that for everybody there, it was the first time they'd ever seen a Coen Brother movie. Because I was, I was dying. I think Inside Lou and Davis is a hilarious film, yeah. And I was dying, and people were literally turning around and looking at me. So Hail Caesar was better. There were the row that I was in. There was three or four. Uh, I would say young 20 somethings that were dying. And so I was like, great. I'm not alone. At least I won't be the only person laughing during this. This is definitely less dark comedy and less more in your face. Obvious. Like we're trying to make you laugh uh, comedy. 
there's something we can draw from the religious connotations here, other than the obvious ones as the the meeting. But um, the fact that he goes to the confessional at the beginning, and there's, I guess, the interpretation I get of Scarlett Johansson is that she's the Mary, you know, and they have to, she finds her Joseph and Jonah Hill, and they, there, there's several plot lines that you can sure. attest to or um, that you, I guess, are in, to, supposed to interpret as biblical. There's a lot of uh, biblical under and overtones right. in in a lot of their films. The fact that know, it's about the Romans, too, and yeah. about Jesus. Yeah. Uh, the they, movie that they're making is about Christ and everything, right. aside yeah. from the uh, other uh, obvious parallels. I guess we should say what doesn't work. What what made this not not a the release date five. for one? Yeah, seriously. Um, you know, um, I think this has an audience. It's just that it's not a big audience. Yeah. Uh, this this definitely. I mean, in my screening was sixty percent full, and everyone seemed to enjoy themselves. But I think the the ending was what kind of threw people off. Um, the one plot line that, it, which is the main plot line that I didn't enjoy, was the communism thing and uh i mean I'm, i know that that was an issue back then the fact mm-hmm. that they're they were worried about so many of these actors and writers working for the soviets and working in you know subliminal messages into their movies and things right and inf- influencing the youth but uh didn't work much for me it was that was a more campy aspect of this movie uh maybe it would have been more of a straight comedy than a caper if you hadn't had that and it's kind of it kind of felt like a movie set in the fifties rather than a movie about the fifties. Does that make sense? Because of that? yeah, I don't yeah, know. I think I, I'm with you. I think that's the weakest plot point. I think there were, were moments that were really funny when Clooney first stumbles into the room. Yeah, uh, and then the whole I they kept the, cutting back to it, and I was just yeah, like, Ugh. that wasn't that great. I thought the 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 uh, boating out to the submarine was really random and funny, and I I enjoyed that. But yeah, I'm with you. I thought overall the the communist plotline was the weakest of of the bunch, and I was kind of I wasn't all that into that. Despite enjoying the cluniness, I was not super into that that whole thing. Me either. They tie it all back with Channing Tatum, and I guess he would have been a movie star too back in the day if he could sing and dance like he does. Totally. Uh, in this. Yeah. Now, what a great! I can't can't stress how what great how well choreographed that that sequence was and 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 the day that he and joseph gordon levitt are doing some sort of an r-rated musical together or it's in free or pre-planning anyway something like that so that something to look forward to in four years or something but by the way they're they're doing a r-rated uh pixar movie called sausage party have you heard that (laughs) no seth rogan it's not Pixar. It's, but it's in the style of Pixar. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I've read the uh, screenplay to it. And let me just say the opening sequence is a musical number, and it is. It's. Let me just say it's rated R. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's gonna. It's basically the movie is about uh, a grocery store and the food products come alive, like uh, kind of like, like Toy, Toy Story, Story. <laughs> mm-hmm. but they they think that when you leave the toys the the. Uh, they think that when you leave the grocery store, you fulfill your destiny, you know? They don't know sure. that you get eaten. So the whole movie is about them realizing what happens to you after you leave the grocery store and the fact that they all die, so they have to like live their 
last days. I don't know. It's okay. I, it's going to be the most ridiculous movie of all time, apparently. Sure. So look out for that. But Channing Tatum is going to stay strong in the in the new year. But uh, that was that was extremely well choreographed, and uh, and also the the scene with Hobie in the western. The yeah the when they actually show the part of the Western movie, that was very well done as well with stunts and everything. Mm, yeah. um, great throwback to the old days mm. and how things used yeah. to be made. I think my wife like they, said from, from was, a film technique standpoint, they did yes, that even. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Mm. My wife said she, she kind of was expecting that, uh, like Hobie and uh, and Channing Tatum and all these all these big time actors were gonna some sort of like banding together to go find George Clooney, you know. And and I once she said that I was like, yeah, you're right. That 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 would have been an interesting way to do things. Maybe that's what not the trailer kind of hinted at. Yeah, I think that's kind of the expectation on some level that got set up, and that that would have been a different way to go. It would have been an interesting way to go. I'm not. I don't know if it would have been better or worse, but. The idea of of Hobie and and Channing Tatum and and the the, the group kind of getting together and going to find that that would have been kind of interesting. I would have liked to see, it. and I think people may like my wife especially. Like I think people kind of expected that's where it was going. So, Richard, any big dislikes? I think they made a perfectly um, a, a very very good movie. I I think they could have pushed it in the full out farce more. Or, or a little more serious to be a little bit more of a successful movie. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a tweener in a lot of ways tonally. I happen to really like that tonal tone, but I'm weird and I'm their target audience. So, and you know, there's like ten thousand of us out there, and guess what? We all saw it this weekend. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I I I think this is um, you know they've wanted to make this for like I remember seeing this on IMDb in like 2004. Like they've had this. Yeah, it's true. Forgot about that. They've wanted to make this movie forever, so I'm kind of glad they got out of their system, and it was definitely worth seeing. Um, but it doesn't really feel important. It's a movie that's really entertaining and really good, but doesn't it? It you know doesn't really this is seem the most. Like, this is the most we're going to show you this in film school for the rest of your life movie right. of all time. It really is about hey, this is how old Hollywood movies were made, and it it, it really felt like that to me. It felt straight out of straight out of something that they would have seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, an instructor show them about old movies, but that's good. I mean, there's a lot to analyze here. It just wasn't uh, wasn't yeah. as mainstream as I'd expected it to be. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's more of a yeah, I, more I think of a film right, nerd Richard. movie. Yes, yeah, totally. It's not. It, it doesn't have the weight that you get with some of these other films. I think so. I think that like the the highest peak that it could reach is like it is a 90 on a scale of one to 100, you know, it's whereas still kind of confusing film. about the release date because though, yes, because still makes no sense. September still, was the perfect time. I still could have, yeah, I still could have at least given it, maybe they knew it wasn't going to be in the Oscar conversation, but at least have it make some money. And I realized there was no yes. competition this weekend, but it was Super Bowl weekend and right. People weren't thinking about the movies right now. Right. Um, and, and I think maybe end of the summer point, would have been the perfect, maybe yes. a go to go yeah. against yeah, I think straight like out August. of Compton or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think August or September would have preferred. Cause I think there is a, there's a subconscious element now with, with most movie, even the average movie goer that says any movie that comes out in January or February is bad. So why am I going to mess with this? Why would I even bother getting out on Super Bowl weekend to see yeah. this? It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a really dumb play on the part of the uh, of the studio. I'm not saying it would have been a hit in September, but 
I think it would have been better received in August or September. Period. I don't. I just any movie that is decent, you sh- you just shouldn't dump it in February at this point. Like we're to the point where, as as a movie going society, we will not respect a film that comes out at during that time. Yep, that's sad but true. I'm gonna hit a grade here. All their movies are A's to me, really. This is very close. I actually, I'm going to give it an A minus. This is close. <laughs> this is an A minus. This is this is very solid. I will see this again, and it's not their best work, um, but I mean, it's still great. So, freaking A minus, yeah, for me, Brian. Yeah, I came in ready to go B plus or maybe A minus, and I kind of talked myself up. So I'll, I'll say. I'll say a high A minus. I really enjoyed this a lot. And it's it's a this is a much more fun movie than uh you might expect. Richard. I'm gonna go with just a solid B. Okay. Hail Caesar. Don't know if we'll hear about this one ever again <laughs> in the public's consciousness, but it'll be one maybe we mention uh the next Cohen when the next Cohen film comes out. Well, what do they got on their plate? Let's see. Sorry, I got to go back because I was looking at Joel Cohen with an H and Garfield when uh, we were talking about that earlier. Their best film, I think. Their best film. Uh, Let's see. Cohen's coming up have Black Money. That's projects in development, and I can't see anything else about it. So there you are, kids. Where? I bet it'll, it'll be a dark comedy. What's it called? Black Money. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Oh, we'll see. All right. Okay, guys, let's move on and let's uh, hit a recommend. Weekly recommends. Okay, Brian, go ahead. I'm going to recommend something sight unseen, which I never do, but I'm going to make an exception given the subject matter we've talked about today. And I'm going to recommend the Criterion Collection edition of Inside Lewin Davis that uh, just came out a couple weeks ago and uh, will be in my possession soon, I would say. Love that film. One of the more, I think, underrated Coen Brother movies. The music's incredible. I was listening to the soundtrack. Today, it's such a good movie that no one saw for some reason, despite the fact that a lot of people like the Coen Brothers Anyway, uh, really good film, and I'm excited to uh, to get the Criterion Collection edition. Cool. So check that out. I will be getting that too. Richard, fairly well, Brian. Nice uh, recommend. Classic <laughs> parted. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie I watched um, that uh, I saw in theaters. I don't think I talked about it on here. Then I watched it again 
a couple weeks ago, and that is the uh, Chris Rock film Top Five. Oh, nice. Um, it's a good movie, not great, but very watchable, very very fun, some great performances, and most importantly, you get to see Jerry Seinfeld make it rain in a strip club. So, <laughs> I mean, just like I've always dreamed. Yep. And there is, not kidding, in the last probably 10% of this film, there is a cameo in this that is, I would say, the greatest cameo of all time. I'm not even kidding. It, it is probably Doug um, Elin or? No, it's, it's, um, it's unbelievable. I don't even want, I want you guys to watch okay. the movie just for the last 10 minutes because there's a cameo in there. Um, it's the scene where all you know is when Chris Rock's character is in jail. Um, and just, you're welcome. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll look forward to it. All right. I'm going to recommend a television show uh, on Netflix called Black Mirror. Uh, I've recommended season one, I think, in the past. Yeah. I've been Did we do an episode on... on it? I know we talked about it. No, we haven't. Okay. But, it's off on. Off on. But uh, Black Mirror is kind of this... It's not a not really an anthology show. Basically, every episode it's kind of like the Twilight Zone. If I was gonna compare it to anything, every episode is kind of different in the fact that um, it's a completely different cast and a completely different storyline. But they're all about kind of our inevitable future if we continue down a certain path. If that makes mm. sense. Sure. Um, so, say we invent artificial intelligence. Here's what would happen. Say we. Uh, Say the banks become too powerful, here's what would happen, and things like that. Um, but it, each episode is 40 minutes, and there's three per season. So you can watch the entire season in less than uh, you know less than three hours. Uh, but the episode I'm going to suggest is called Be Right Back. And uh, it's about, uh, it's basically Dom Gleason, And it's kind of a reverse version of her. Um, if you, say you die, your your lover can through your cell phone, uh, recreate you digitally and hmm. like your voice and your, you know, how you would talk like through you, basically everything you've ever typed in your iPhone has been recorded and you can use that data to recreate your loved one. And, Interesting. Uh, so that's what she does. And, um, it's crazy. It's a, it, it could be a movie and a good movie at that. So it's called be right back. Uh, it's on Black Mirror on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, free to watch. It takes 40 minutes. And uh, get back to me on that. Domhnall Gleeson, of course, we'll do that. has had a great year. The year of the Gleeson. Uh, and yeah. Ex Machina, as well as Star Wars and The Revenant. And uh, he's he's a great actor. So so check that out. Some of his earlier work or previous work uh, prior to this year. Okay. So, uh, Ryan, where can I find you on the internet? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madabamoviespodcast.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden or at richardbarden.com. Kent, where could I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Find our show online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find every single episode we've ever done on there. And because only our most recent 100 show up on iTunes, yes, we have more than that. Just go back on the site and use the search function and scroll. If you like what you hear... Leave us five stars on iTunes. Again, thank you to the people who donated. If you'd like to do that, you can do that on our website as well. And until next week, when we're talking Deadpool, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. 
But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. <laughs> 